Hey everyone, in this AB Talks with Masaba, I really do hope you get to know her more on a human level. I did and I was impressed and you will get to know a very honest, um, a woman full of integrity, uh, drive. So it's something that I think you will enjoy to listen to Masaba and her story and her journey. Okay. Hey Masaba. Hey. So... You've watched a bit, so we'll start with something that is typical, okay. but signature. Mm-hmm. Uh, Who is Masaba? No, that's second. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'll start with how are you really doing? How am I really doing? Uh, I'm a bit anxious. These days I'm a bit... Um, I think I'm having a midlife crisis. I think. But other than that, I'm in a very, very happy place. So you can be happy and in a midlife crisis at the same time? I think so. I think so. I don't think that human beings are just one thing. None of us are just one thing at all times. I think that we keep evolving, we keep changing and through the day even, we're just different things. Hmm. So at this, at this point, I might be three or four things. What makes you think you're going through a midlife crisis? Well, I'm 33. 33? Yeah. Mm. And I'm, uh, I feel like I've been designing for 12 years, but I feel like I'm at this place where I need to make a life decision in terms of my personal life. And, you know, all those things start playing on your mind where you're like, I should have a baby and I should be married again. I'm, I'm, I was married many years back. I'm divorced now. Mm. But uh, Welcome to the club. Oh, yes! <laughs> Okay. Second time is a charm. Mm. <laughs> no, but I'm, I'm saying this because I got married very young at 26. Mm. And um, I also got divorced very quickly after that. So I feel like I feel like I missed five or six of the best years of my life, which is why I say I'm having that midlife crisis, because I feel like I'm old. You feel old? I feel old because I feel like, I mean, I, I started work when I was 19 years old. Mm. And... Um, I wish that I knew some of the things that I know now. I wish I knew them back then so that I could apply them. Like? Like, um, just the kind of stuff that I tolerate or tolerated back then. Just the kind of um, my work ethic, how to treat my employees, how to treat myself. and how to really, you know, I, I, I wasted a lot of time being underconfident when I was younger. So I wish I knew the power of confidence uh, like I know it now. I wish I knew it back then. But you know, Masaba, from confidence is an interesting topic that I think people, as many things in life, we like to simplify. Mm-hmm. And from the little that I've been thinking, which I think I should think about it more, uh, confidence, I feel, is like departments. So, mm-hmm. if I bring a bicycle, you probably ride it without thinking twice because yeah. you've rid, uh, ridden yeah. a bicycle so many times. Khalas, it's uh, yeah. like that. Yeah. If I tell you to sing in front of 50,000 people, mm-hmm. you might freak out because maybe you haven't done it enough, right? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. you can be super confident riding a bicycle, but very not confident, confident in the on stage. Thing. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, 
the point on confidence is I feel it's like a muscle. Mm. So even the idea of a bicycle, if I stop riding a bicycle for 10 years, and then I, I'm not as confident anymore. Yeah. I need at least first few minutes to yeah. feel, ah, I, okay, I got this. Yeah. So I think it's literally like a muscle that you go to the gym and you keep working out, and then yeah. if you don't work out, yeah. it goes away. So yeah. you need to... But, so but when you go back, you're back in there. Correct. You know? But yeah. my point to you is, you said I would have loved to have the kind of confidence maybe you have today, or yeah. learn how to, but you cannot. It's yeah. like a muscle. You took time to build it. I would say that confidence is like brushing your teeth every morning. Like you get up and you just do it. It's like a hygiene check, hmm. you know. And I feel like in some way or the other, it has to become a little bit like your daily routine. Like you do, like, you know, you go to the bathroom. You, you know, you call up your mom. Why can't you be confident? I wish I had that um, awareness when I was younger. But you make it sound so easy. Like, how, how does somebody just practice confidence I on think, a daily? I think it should be easy. I think that's what should be easier than fear. We're so easily fearful of things. Why can't we be... Like, I'm really fearful of things. Hmm. And I wish that I was as confident of things instead. Do you know what I mean? Hmm. Like, we feel like walking into a room, we feel like... Know, what's your leg looking like today and you feel so many things you know does what does someone think of me but I wish that I, I had that much confidence so yeah it's easy because we fear so much so if we just switch that off and change that I wonder what it would be like I don't know it's an interesting thing to think about yeah uh, but you like seeing you today I feel you're very serene and very confident in your own skin I've gotten there now. I have mm. to say that the, it was in the pandemic that it changed me. I worked very hard on myself because um, I was just, you know, I was like a little, I was like a puppet before that. You know, you say something to me, you nudge me and you get that reaction from me. And, you know, people really knew how to press my buttons, mm. but not anymore. Good. Yeah. So I really worked hard on myself. On the point you mentioned, about fear, the thing is it's in our creation, mm -hmm. you know, um, fear is necessary, too much fear is paralyzing, mm -hmm. too little fear is reckless, Yeah. you know, you don't, you're not afraid of a train that's coming very quick and you jump on the rail and mm -hmm. you die, Yeah. Uh, and if you're too careful you never get on the train, mm -hmm. so what's the right balance, but you also mentioned that, you know, you think, oh what's somebody thinking about my shoes or whatnot, and yeah. it's that, I read this, um, you know, how back in the day, this is God knows caveman years, right? Mm -hmm. The clan years. Uh, it's if you were ousted, that's the penalty. There was no prison, right? If you mm -hmm. were pushed out of a tribe or a clan, yeah. you probably die because an animal will eat you or another clan will take you take or you, attack yeah, you, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's built in us to conform. Ah. Human beings want to feel part of a clique or a group Correct. or friends or yeah. why didn't yeah. they invite me? Yeah. Why did they all go to this party and not let me know? Yeah, four more. Exactly. It so but if you back then. <laughs> if you reach a point you're like, fuck this, I don't give a shit if, if yeah. I'm invited or not. Yeah. If they don't find value in me, mm -hmm. why am I yeah, why forcing am I myself to be invited? Ah. 
okay. You know, like why okay. do I feel bad if somebody didn't invite me to a birthday? If they mm -hmm. didn't feel the need or the want for me, I should be like, cool. At least I know that you don't like me or are not interested in me. I will find somebody who is interested in me and probably will say, please make sure you come to my party. Mm. But this idea, yeah. do, will somebody say, why is she wearing red? Yeah, yeah. Why is she doing? And this idea that what are the people thinking? It's a problem. And it, I, yeah. I really link. I'm talking too much. You're making me talk. I need to shut up. Um, <laughs> this is we link masaba talks now. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> we link. Um, I think confidence is mm. very much co directly correlated with self acceptance. So when Masaba is really at peace with who she is, mm -hmm. she is a very confident energy person. Yeah. You walk into a room and people will feel it. If you are insecure wearing this, yeah. everybody will would, feel it. Yeah, would feel it. Yeah. But you're like, yeah, this yeah. is how I want to dress today with yeah. sneakers. Yeah, yeah. And it, it, that's the, the energy that you'll give out and mm -hmm. people will start to respect you for it. Mm -hmm. And if you're insecure, people will make fun of you and yeah. attack. Attack you. Yeah. you know? yeah, yeah. No, I agree, but I think that that's something self-acceptance I think comes with age naturally right but I'm just saying is there an unnatural way to introduce it to your life mm. when you're younger mm. just so that you can make the most of your life like I wish I knew all of these things when I was 20 20 years old maybe I wouldn't have wasted so much time just being like a puppet in everyone's hands you know because yeah. I'm a very aggressive person and I'm a very, um, I'm very opinionated, like I feel the need to speak my mind, but um, somewhere, you know, I, and I'll never forget this, my best friend, years back, she's not, no longer my friend, obviously, but years back, she, I was asking her, I said, you know, I'm 18 years old, and I said, I can't seem to think of what I want to do with my life. I said, you know, what, do you, what career do you think I should pick? Because my mom said, go ask your friends. If you can't figure it out, go ask your friends what you should do. Because I was, I was doing a bit of dancing and a little bit of singing and a little bit of tennis, a little bit of this, that. And I went to her and she said, I said, what do you think I should do? What do you think I'm good at? She said, you're just a really aggressive and angry person. So do something that fits that. And I, I took it so badly. Because when you tell someone that, what are you going to do with it? Like, you're going to smash people's head for a living, you know? What are you going to do with it? And, but then I took that, when I understood it deeply, I took that as a life lesson and I now apply it in the way I know best, mm. you know? So, but I'm saying that it took me all those years. So I just, and which is why whenever, whenever I'm talking to younger people, I'm like, listen, just, don't waste your time being underconfident. Be anything else. Just don't fucking be underconfident. You mm. know. I give you your. Yeah. I give you your second question now, mm. which is, who are you, Masaba? I think I'm a chameleon because wherever I go, I adapt to that setting and I change hmm. yeah then where is Masaba and all of that you know it's weird but I I see myself from the outside all day every day as in it's like 
and this is what I was telling someone that I had no pain, remorse, emotion when I got divorced. Zero. And I'm such an emotional person that I thought I would be a wreck. I had nothing. I had no feeling whatsoever. And when I was, I went to therapy right after that and I said, you know, doctor, there's a problem because I don't feel anything. It's a big life event. I don't feel anything. And she said, why do you think that is? And I said, I think it's because I'm viewing Masaba from the outside. It's like she's a different person and I'm watching her life unfold. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So I, I don't think I'm ever in that skin. I'm in someone else's skin and I'm watching this person. It's true. Because ever? Never. Hmm. Yeah, it makes me wonder, who are you? You know? Mm. If you're so adaptable. Yeah, I... I literally, like... I, it's like she's in front of me and there's this life unfolding and I can see it happen. And I feel bad for her sometimes, sure. I feel happy for her. I feel proud of her or whatever I have to feel. But that's it. It's not, it's a cord. I cut it. When I see it, I watch it. I feel it and I cut it. Did you ever break down after? When you went to therapy? Like, because it seems uh, by looking on at Musaba from the outside, there is a disconnect, right? Because mm -hmm. you're like, I'll keep her at distance so I'm not immersed in her emotion. Yeah. Although you're an emotional person. Yeah. But uh, when you went to therapy, were, were you, was she able to place you and immerse you in that position or you always stayed outside? I went to three different therapists mm. just for the same thing. Because someone's going to find me in there. Mm. And because I thought that, and I really believe that when you hold things inside of you, um, that's where disease comes from. I really believe that. Same. I feel like... I think cancer comes from a lot of that Yeah, also. it does. Heartbreak. Mm. Um, like, there's, there's some people that I know who were friends and who passed away, etc. And I always say that some of them passed away just because of heartbreak. You know, they may have been in an accident or whatever, but I just feel like heartbreak killed them because they just held so much inside. So I went to these therapists and I said, you know, I feel like I'm holding things inside me and I don't want to get sick. Because clearly I'm either someone who's trying to, you know how your body just shuts, your brain shuts down uh, aspects of your life mm -hmm. as form of like a defense mechanism almost. Sure. But I went to them and I said, you have to help me. Like, I want you to break me open. And it didn't happen. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I know, I think there is a way. Oh, shit. For sure there is a way, <laughs> but... Uh, I'll ask you an, another question. In sports, are you more expressive? Um, if you're angry, if you're powerful, yeah. will you shout? Yeah, I was a very, very open sportswoman. I mm. played tennis for a very long time. And I left it um, because I couldn't cope with the emotion. I was very, very weak mentally on a tennis court. And I think some of the greatest sports persons, even if I look at my dad, I think I see that they were just mentally tough, mm -hmm. you know. Physically, you go through what you go through as a sports person, but that mental toughness, I didn't have that. And um, which is why 
I would break rackets on court. I would lose a point and I'd be in tears and I'd be a wreck and I just wouldn't be able to focus and all of that. And um, But then I left it because I said, you know, I'm just too emotional and to be a sportswoman. I think I should be something else. With animals? Are you expressive? I like them. I don't love them. <laughs> mm. Children honest. like or love? Or like. despise? <laughs> like, like, like very much. Children? But, yeah. From afar or you like to be close? I like to be close but in measured doses. Mm. Not like too. an auntie? Like an auntie. Yeah, yeah. I'm just like, hello. Oh, mm. You're so cute. Okay, take care. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Where's your mother? <laughs> take you back. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I find it very interesting how you're... But I find it interesting and I find it extremely tiring being you. Really? Yeah, because I think you want to feel. You're dying to feel. But and that's the thing I do feel, but it's just that it's... I, so I'm not saying you're not full of emotion. You're a volcano of emotions. Yeah. But it bothers you that sometimes you're not immersed. You're not in the moment. Yeah, I'm never in the moment. Mm. I just like this. You have a very, very high wall of the defense mechanism. Very high. Like a guard, you mean? Yeah, a wall. Like you can't even climb it. It's, that's why these uh, therapists, uh, I'm not saying they're good or bad. Sometimes it's about compatibility. It just, they were not compatible to Masaba. That's it. The wall was too high or they just didn't know how to climb it. Uh, and you just need somebody to throw you a nice ladder and you'll climb it yourself. But why do you think that is? Why do you think it's so high up? Because I believe, mm. I've always told people that I, my guard is always down. Mm. I'm like, I don't have a guard. We all do. Yeah, of course. Mm. But I don't know, do you feel like you, what you see is what you get? With you? Yeah. I think you're very guarded, but I think our energies, you would tell me stuff you wouldn't tell other people. That's true. Yeah. That's true. I think our energies will trust each other. Yeah, there's, and I love the idea of energies over, you know, because sometimes people tell you something and I feel like what happens in today's day and age is that you don't meet anyone with a clean slate. You know, you've got like, you've been fed information either via their social media or someone, something, something someone said to you about them or their experience, their biases against that person. I feel like you never know somebody from like ground zero, hmm. you know. But uh, I trust energies and when I walk in and I will say hello and I know if this is a safe space or not. Mm -hmm. So we'll dig more. If I give you um, a white paper mm -hmm. and I tell you to draw and express your mental state, what would you draw? A girl with a baby girl, like a kid, with very large eyes, shocked almost, um, but with a huge smile, hmm. but shocked. Shocking smile. Why? But they're not related. It's two different emotions. So ex explain. Like, big smile because I'm happy. I truly am. But wide-eyed because I also don't know what the fuck is going on, <laughs> you know? Mm. Yeah. 
I think that's fine. You know, I think we put, Masawa, we put so much pressure on ourselves to figure mm -hmm. shit out. And sometimes it's okay to be lost. Yeah. I think sometimes it's okay to take time to figure shit out. Mm -hmm. It's literally like your brain is a cloudy storm, but the clouds usually, you just wait. It goes, it starts to clear. Yeah. yeah. And your brain, you're like, oh, okay, now I know what I want to do. And, and I'll come back to your career because I think there's something there. Mm -hmm. But first we rewind. We go back to um, how was your childhood? My childhood was... Um I always start crying when I think of my childhood, but um, I think it was very um, kind of unusual. Um, and this is just because I think it was an unusual setting for being a kid growing up in India. Um, it was very honest. It was a very honest childhood. Maybe a bit too honest, you know. Yeah. Can you explain? Because I've never heard somebody say my childhood is very honest. Um, you know how you have parents who are always trying to protect you from things as a child because they think that a child should only be shown the good things in life and the positive things in life and bright shining things which is not how life always goes right but um, with me I think my parents were very honest about their relationship which was unconventional for Indian standards because they weren't married ever and I was born out of wedlock so it was also it was weird early no late 80s to be a child born out of wedlock in India was it was nuts. It was a taboo, nearly, you know. And I think that um, they were so honest about the fact that they never wanted to marry. So you know how when a child is in the room, they're like, "Shh, say the right things, and don't don't take bad words, and don't say bad things, say nice things." But in this case, it was it was just honest. They were like. This is who we are. My father was very clear about how many times in a year I would see him. Uh, I knew exactly what to expect from the both of them as parents. And uh, they never hid a single newspaper, a single comment on their life from me. It was all out there in the open, which is why I'm very honest as a person as well. Because I just, and I cannot stand a lie. I cannot. Hmm. Yeah, your standard is very high when it comes to honesty. But you said it might have been too honest at times. What does that mean? I think I was also a child. You know, we discount the fact that children are like sponges. They absorb a lot. Hmm. And even though they, they spend a large part of their life just being happy and, you know, just being, just playing and being out there and getting rolling in the grass on the mud or whatever it is you just do fun things but later on in your adult life I think it shows up in strange ways all the stuff that you absorb just strange yeah. ways so I think that's why I say it was a bit too honest because I feel like um, it set me up in good ways and bad ways for the world but when you go out into the world you realize that it's not all 
everyone's not honest. No one is actually. I think we all have multiple faces we show to the world. Mm. Even your closest friends, family, everyone. Yeah, most people I think are not uh, yeah. honest. And I think it's extremely related to what we said, conformity, uh, fear of not being accepted, yeah. uh, and cowardice. I think liars are cowards, generally. It takes a lot for you to be, yeah. to say something that you know might not be accepted, Yeah, takes a lot. Yeah, yeah. but so. I think as a child, when that's the only thing you know, right? Mm. When you see that around you with your parents, that's the only thing Tissue you know. give me. Yeah, sorry, it's just like... That's fine. A waterfall. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah, you're saying? So I think it's like... Um, and like I'm saying, when you're a child and you've seen only that, so you're like, this is how I will be for the rest of my life and I don't know any other way. So I, I had to actually train myself to start put up this wall, like you said. Hmm. To protect myself, I guess. It was it. Was it hard, uh, Masaba, to grow up without a fixated father figure? Yeah, for sure. I think um, I really believe this. Uh, even though I I say that my mom played the role of both, because she was working sixteen-hour days and taking care of me. But um, I feel like there are specific parts in your life as a child that your mother fulfills and some that your father fulfills. And these are learnings, these are life lessons, they're just how to live your everyday life. And you know, there's things you go to for your, to your mom and there's things mm. you go to to your dad, right? I think because I was a woman, it just helped to have my mom with me 24-7 because there were, she could take care of my needs. But I can't imagine what would have happened if I was a boy. You think it would be more difficult? Very difficult without having a father figure. Hmm. Because that's your hero, right? And see, for me, the thing is, I have always seen, because my father was a public figure, so I felt like I got to know him uh, through the eyes of other people, by which I mean through the eyes of fans. So I never, I don't think I ever got to know him for who he is. So if you ask me anything about him, I'm like, yes, the great cricketer. And yes, my dad too. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So it's, it's a very different thing because um, when you get to know people through others, it's like rose tinted glasses maybe. It so can be if they like them. If they like them, but in this case, everyone loved him. Hmm. It was never, never something bad that anyone said about him. So I think that it does take a toll on you because I would also see my friends who had both figures very steady, both parents very steady in their life, and um, I almost felt like, damn, I wish I had that too. You know? Hmm. Would you seek it? Would you seek a father figure to substitute? Well, my stepfather is that. Um, he's, uh, he's been like a pillar of strength. Mm. Um, and I think that 
I'm still very, I still feel very connected to my father. And um, we may not speak every day or we may not have a relationship like my mom and I have, but I'm very connected to him. And I'll tell you why. Because for years when I was a kid, I grew up hating the idea that why can't he be married to my mother? Like, what is the problem? And slowly as I grew up, I discovered that for a lot of people in the Caribbean, it is um, a norm to have babies with partners, right? And you don't necessarily have to be married in order to do that. Mm -hmm. So it took me a long time. And, I, and in India, it's the opposite. It's like you have a baby out of wedlock and no, you know, you can't do that. I mean, sure you can, but it just looked down upon, right? So I was like, why can't they just be married and everything will be fine? But I discovered so much about where he comes from and his upbringing. And then I judged him less. Hmm. Uh, and that's when I forgave him. Because I was like, this is what's, it's like a wiring, right? It's in your system. That's who you are. What age was this? This was when I was... Um, 13 or 14, I think. So before that, you were angry at him? I was confused. I wouldn't say angry. I was confused and disappointed. Mm. Um, as to why can't it just be, like, why can't we just have one dog and a beautiful house and you both can be married and I will be your kid and this house will be clean, you know? It's like you see in the advertisements, it's like that. But... It's two different cultures. You have to respect hmm. what someone's culture teaches them. The thing is, it's, it's all um, programming of what is supposed to be perfect or what is supposed to be a stable home. Okay, how many homes have both partners and an absolute crap of a relationship? Yeah, or they're wreck. miserable or shitty parents. Yeah. But the child doesn't think with this logic, thinks triangle square yeah. i want to draw two partners and i don't blame the child because the cartoons and yeah. the movies and i'm not saying it's a bad thing a healthy home can be of course with a yeah. healthy partnership yeah. And, a, yeah. and like you said a father role actually being done and a mother role actually being done but it's it's not like that you know you know like it's when you're a kid they teach you like you're drawing draw your family hmm. and you draw this house and it's got like sun coming in and there's like bright big windows and then there's like a dog and then there's your mom and your dad and your dad is waiting outside with the briefcase and your mom's just like doing the house you know what i mean it's just such a thing in your head it's programmed it's programmed yeah and even for me it was like how do i tackle when my kid has to draw that drawing in school uh-huh right and, uh, and i'll tell i i just made it i'm like at least you have two houses yeah you know i have to find another positive mm -hmm. And like, at least we're friends. Yeah. You know, friends is more important. Yeah. And it's so important to be civil. And like your mom and your dad, I, I think they're, they're still friendly or civil, Everyone right? Everyone is, which is and the beauty so of important. it. And that's so important. Yeah. You know, if they're not, yeah. and which a lot of parents do when they get divorced or never married or whatnot, they attack each other. Also, I'll tell you another thing is that everyone tried, except my mother, everyone tried to push me to dislike him. Hmm. And I was like, one second, should I be disliking my father or should I just be accepting him for who he is because he doesn't come from here? He doesn't have the programming that I do, you know? 
and I think that's what hits you because as a child you're just being pushed towards no you should just just cut all cords why absolutely but we have a different relationship it's fine why did you why do you said uh, that when I talk about my childhood that makes me sad or I cry I don't know I've, it, I don't know it's probably you because I've never like I've spoken about it a lot hmm. but um, I don't think I've ever been like I don't know, it just, it was, it's probably because it feels like an open space to chat about. You see, there is emotion. Yeah. <laughs> I should have just come here instead of spending all that money on my therapist. <laughs> yeah. That's the beautiful thing about you, Masaba. I think sometimes you give, give up hope on Masaba. And you shouldn't. Like, look at how beautiful <laughs> you have so much emotion. Yeah. You know? Uh, and I think sometimes you're afraid that you're lacking it, but there's definitely no lack. No, and I also think sometimes I fear that it's going to get in the way of my decision making. You know, because everyone tells you that being a woman in business, you have to make unemotional decisions be less vulnerable, be less naive, you know what I mean? Mm. Like be tough, be a tough boss. And I just think that some of my best decisions have been made because of my gut. Mm. And my gut is nothing but an emotion. I know it's connected to the brain and all that, but I think it's an emotion. It's yeah. a feeling, it's an mm. instinct. It's like, you know, when you walk into a room and you're, you just don't like someone mm. and there's no reason they haven't said anything to you. They're doing their own thing. But I think that's your gut. It's telling you something. I read a crazy stat. Uh -huh. It said, I don't know the exact figures, but I'll, I'll give you the idea. That your brain per second process, processes 40 million pieces of information. Wow. And you are only consciously aware of 40. Four zero. Wow. That's the ratio. I don't know the exact number, but it's that crazy. So my point is when you say gut feeling, the moment I come and say, hey, your brain just in those two seconds did mm -hmm. around 80 million pieces of information. You're right. So it says safe, not safe. Should I be vulnerable? Should, is he judging me? Why is he looking at me this way? I don't like him. Why is he dressed this way? You do all of these things. Even when people go on a date, right? The first time they go out on a date, the first, let's say, let's say even I'll make an, a better test, a blind date. Yeah. So the first 30 seconds or even 10, you already think seems appealing, might be marriage material. Yes. Like, t -t 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 -t, it's like yeah. a checklist. Yeah. And your brain is going. It's and, done. And then, yeah. then you start to actually get to know. And of course, there are some intricate details that you know with experience. But your gut feeling and the more you're in tune, and I think women are way more in tune with their intuition and gut feeling, it's not out of nothing. Mm -hmm. It's based on experiences and programming and feelings and energy. Yeah. And your brain is doing it, but you, don't, you can't pinpoint why you feel this way. Yeah. But you feel it. You feel it. Yeah. yeah. Which so. is why I'm saying that you never, I don't think you, we ever listen to anyone without projecting what we believe. Do you know what I mean? No. You're not listening to anyone for what they are. Hmm. You're not just listening with, okay, this is a clean space. I know nothing about you. I don't think anything about you. Let me listen to you and then form my opinion. You never do that. 
you project what you believe about them mm. and then listen to them in that sense. Do you know what I mean now? Yeah, and I read something also close to what you said. It said, we already make up our minds of things and then we look for facts just to support it. Exactly. So if I say you're arrogant, yeah. I'm like, yeah, she's arrogant. I'm going to interview her today. Yeah. And then you come and then yeah, I just need one sentence from you. Like, you see, I yeah, told you. I told look. you. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And that's the danger of uh, prejudice. Yeah. Uh, but I really think also wisdom and maturity is to really uh, handbrake because the moment I, before I see you, if I go on Google and I do my research, my natural instinct, if I'm an ignorant person, is to judge you. Mm -hmm. Ah, look, look at this picture, look at this selfie, look. Yeah. But then I'm like, handbrake on us. Wait, wait, sit yeah. with her. Yeah. Then we'll see what you think. Yeah. And the more you become, I think, mature, uh, and has nothing to do with age. The yeah, more I think you just say, experiences. Yeah. You just say, listen, wait. You never know. There are two, three, four sides to every person. Yeah. School. Yeah. How was school? School was fun. Hmm. Uh, I was a bit of a reject in school because um, I was like, I, I don't know if you know much about, uh, you know, in India we have schools where we. I went to a school which was mainly a lot of kids from. Juhu, which is this sort of upscale neighborhood in, in Mumbai and uh, mostly from very conservative Gujarati families, right? So um, I had, I made some amazing friends, by which I mean about two, the rest were whatever, but yeah, I made some amazing friends and um, I had a lot of fun because I was just, I was like this wild child. I played a lot of sport. I was always away. I was always being bullied by the boys especially because I had like a big bum and I had uh, these features you know and I had, I had like an afro that time and they were all like wow where are you from I'm like I'm not gonna tell you you know so I was like this exotic piece of work but everyone was very warm I have to say hmm. they slowly warmed up to me as we grew up and I also say this because I think I never like to judge children with what they say they don't know better mm. you know they repeat what they hear in their homes or they repeat what they hear outside and they don't have their own ability to form judgment right so and they don't know how nasty they're being sometimes unfortunately so yeah so I was I was my own exotic wild animal in school I guess I read I don't know if this is even true I read that uh, your tone was a challenge Yes, true? it was. It was because, um, I mean, just being dark-skinned in that part of the world is... But isn't everybody like this color or our color in India? Exactly. Or there is also that little... One no, I'm saying up. that from the north of India to the south of India, yeah. you have every tone that you can find. So everything. this is supposed to be what? They don't this like? This might be like South Indian. Now they're becoming a lot more open to it. But back in the day, yeah. I think it's that it's the thing, right? You have that white complex. Mm. And don't forget, advertisements back then were all like pushing the white color, that that's beauty. There were creams that could make you... Whiter? White. And I read that you used foundation in, in the bathroom or something. My mother's, my mother's <laughs> like six tones lighter than I am. And one day I just, and I had really bad skin as a child. So I would go into the bathroom, put the lights off before school. And I was in the eighth grade or something. I wasn't even allowed to wear makeup. 
and I took my mum's makeup and I just like covered my spots and I went to school and my boss was like why are you like a cheetah because I, <laughs> I was like dark with these white spots and he's like what have you done to your face I was like shut up and go away <laughs> you know but um, I just and my mum was light skinned so I just wanted to be like her mm. but yeah it was it was a challenge and it's true that your grandfather would scrub scrub you to remove the what the tan of you yeah because i was playing six hours of tennis a day yeah i was a dark kid right and i had burnt skin and my grandfather by the way was from banaras which is a very old sort of holy city back in india and he didn't eat like he didn't eat onions vegetarian hardcore you know and here I was with like my dad would come and like he'd be make like fish and chicken and like meat and stuff like that. And he was like, I can't bear the smell going away. It was, it was that in my house. And then when I would come home, when my mom wasn't there, because my mom would have killed my grandfather if she found out. Because mm. she was trying to get me to love my skin, right? But he was like, just come on, sit, sit there. And I would just sit there and just be <laughs> scrubbed. Nothing happened. Mm. But it was for his peace of mind. It's crazy, huh? To think of that. It's nuts. It is. Like I'm thinking as a child, what are you thinking? Are you thinking something's wrong with my color? Like why are we doing this? Um, of course you think that way because you... And then when you see that your mother is treated okay, you're just like, it's obviously this, the color of my skin. Hmm. My grandfather was even lighter. So he was just like, this kid needs to be shut away somewhere. Because I was always out. I was outdoors and I loved the sun. So interesting. I mean, you know, I'll tell you this. You think that education will help people solve this, but it does not. You think that someone will be educated and they will go to the best schools and colleges in the world and they will learn more about the world and more about people and how there's different kinds of people in the world. But that is not the truth. Sometimes you have to slap it into them. And I say this and I know a lot of people would tell me when I was growing up, like in my late teens and stuff, like why are you so aggressive about your skin tone? Why do you keep talking about it? Because if I don't talk about it, you're going to go out and bully the next two dark girls out there. And which is why I say that you have to slap it into people. You have to shout at them and tell them that this is okay. The way I look is okay. The way my skin is, is okay. You know what I mean? Because otherwise they won't get it. This whole idea of there's, we need to standardize beauty or standardize what's nice and what's not nice is absolutely ridiculous. I mean, like how boring would be would the world be if we were just like one form of beauty or one form of fashion? Yeah. It's ridiculous. It's like disgustingly boring. Yeah. But that logic is not implemented. It's a logic that when I say it like this, everybody's like, yeah, okay, variety is nice. When I go to Baskin Robbins, there's a variety of ice creams. Yeah. That's why it's nice. Yeah. I can't only eat mint chocolate chip for the rest of my <laughs> exactly, life. Exactly, yeah. But then you don't apply that to human beings. You don't apply that to beauty. Curvy woman, skinny woman, big guy, short guy. Extravagant fashion sense, dull. Yes. What's the problem? No, you know, I used to do this. I was very judgmental of someone's style, right? So I would say, oh, this person had, has a bad sense of style. And then one day I said, 
no he just doesn't have the kind of style that i like mm. you know so what if we applied that to this person has a bad body no this person has a body that doesn't feel appealing to me and this person has a, the color of skin that is not appealing to me which is okay mm -hmm. that's Correct. an opinion yeah. but you're letting that person be absolutely yeah where, like i keep thinking where do we get off as human beings hmm. thinking we have a right to dictate our likeness onto people yeah. no i don't like this on you you don't like this yeah i'm fine I, yeah i'm okay i sleep very well yeah. and i'm cool yeah. yeah but i don't like it okay you don't like it yeah. focus on you yeah has nothing to do with me but we have this um in uh, superiority, superiority complex. complex yeah like let's say i am well versed in fashion i'll go make, look at look at this person and look at how he's dressed oh my god look at his belt where it and where his pants are yeah yeah this is being i think yeah. i know better and okay maybe i do know better because of experience yeah but it, it doesn't give me any right yeah to belittle somebody but this idea that i know better i should make fun yeah why because you feel better now you just destroyed somebody yeah it's it's and you know i mean my my father played cricket at the peak of racism i'm talking about the 60s and 70s at the peak of racism he was offered a blank check to come play in south africa when apartheid was a very big movement there and he refused it you know and i think that and, and and when i was a kid i actually i would i would actually be shocked by the color of his skin can you imagine that by my own father because i was so conditioned into thinking that being this color or lighter is the right way to be mm. i was like why is he so dark cuz my brain couldn't compute that well i came from that too you know what i mean so yeah part of slapping it into people is traveling i really believe traveling is a great educator mm -hmm. and not traveling to the only country you like and yeah. the shops you like yeah. no, i mean really travel new people yeah new people see. new experiences and yeah. then suddenly you judge less and you're more open to different foods and different cultures and ideas like you said your father's culture is so different than uh, asian culture but you know that only happened when i went there when i physically went there I discovered that it's a beautiful culture. And when I spend more and more time traveling to many parts of India, hmm. I discover how amazing India truly is. And India is a huge hugely diverse place as well. Hmm. So many different religions, so much happening. So many types of people. Food. And it, you think you live in a big city and this is this is the country. But it's not. Yeah. like you know there's a quote and i always say this the eye has to travel it does i believe i believe we have to feel yeah like your sensory parts have to experience something to to really change mm -hmm. like if you were not in an absolutely shitty hotel you would not appreciate a decent clean hotel yeah yeah that's contrast is so important otherwise if you're always living comfortably you think this is the standard yeah Yeah. And if everybody is nice, do you think everybody's honest like you said? Everybody's honest, but not everybody's honest until you get slapped, slapped. with a nice lie. Yeah, exactly. You know, I noticed when I read about you that you're a trier. You try things until you yeah. find your 
your thing. So you yeah. said tennis and you said uh, what dance else? and singing. Dance, singing, and then now you're twelve years into design fashion. and one two years into acting. Yeah, with the Netflix thing. Yes. Mm. And I also did my first short film recently, which no, came nice. Out yeah. So that you would think you are that type. You try things. I love trying things. Mm. I hate doing the same thing over and over again. I hate sitting on the fence and just watching my success. It's just the worst thing. Mm. I like trying things. I like seeing what it makes me feel like. And actually, uh, of all the things I've tried, I felt like when I was in front of the camera, when I did the Netflix show, I was expecting myself to be a nervous wreck because it's not what I do every day, right? It became a meditation for me. Mm. Because through the show, like you said, I think I slowly started to discover who I was. Because I'm playing myself, right? Mm. And I have no choice but to be myself when I'm playing myself. So I started to discover That's who I was. Interesting. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. Mm. I know. I I was gonna ask you because even like looking at how you merge, it feels like there's a purpose behind your designs. There is mm -hmm. a brand purpose. Mm -hmm. What is it? It's to make people feel something. I think fashion has the ability to move people. And I say this in full confidence because I feel like fashion can be relief when it's a tough time. It can be a pain sometimes. It can be just you don't like something. And it brings about such a strong emotion in you. So I think fashion can really move people and yeah. I always try that I do prints I do a lot of print and I, I say this that each print is a conversation now it's up to mm. you to decide whether you get it or not but yeah it's yeah cool. that's a nice idea yeah. to instigate conversation instigate conversation like you know when to when you see someone wearing something just like why must he be wearing that mm. why that print over that why this color over that one mm. why sneakers with the dress yeah mm. That's cool. I think it's a way of getting to know people. So, True. Yeah. I'm a big, big, uh, I have big love for fashion. Mm -hmm. I love it. I think it's a way to express yourself. It is. Every single thing you're putting on you, your everything, bracelet, yeah. your yeah. everything is saying something. And why do I wear this over something else the next day? Mm? You know, mm. it's like, I feel like you also express how you're feeling. And if you, and I say this to my staff in my stores. I see that if you truly listen, every consumer who walks in is telling you something. And if you listen, you can actually, that's your data. Mm. We think data is like 10 red dresses, 5 blue dresses, or this silhouette works on a woman. No, it's actually what that consumer is saying to you. Mm. You know why I laughed also? I why? Because <laughs> I do my Insta stories every day and whatever I'm wearing, I take a picture yeah. and I put mood. Mood, yeah, as in my mood, mood for the yeah, day. Yeah. And a lot of people are like, what do you mean mood? Yeah, I'm like, but yeah. that's my mood today. Yeah. This is how I feel. Yeah. You know, and if you're listening or visualizing, you're like, oh, that's what, how he feels today. Yeah. And that's how he wants to express himself. Unfortunately, on Instagram, you're just like... Yeah, I think people see but don't look. Yeah. And they hear but they don't listen. You know, and I think you need to put a little effort. That's why when I say, how are you really doing? The word really makes you suddenly think, maybe he actually wants to know. Yeah. And the next time someone asks me how I'm doing, 
I was telling someone, I'm going to say, I'm doing shit. <laughs> and they will just be like, no, we don't want this response. We don't want to get into this conversation with you. Just say, I'm good. How are you? Yeah. You know, and then it's, it's done. All the, it's all in the person asking. Hmm. If you feel, again, your subconscious feels, he's not even interested. It's a formality. You say, oh, good. Mm-hmm. But if somebody's like, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm really asking you. Tell me, Masaba, tell me. Yeah. And you're like, oh, really? No, yeah, really, tell me. Mm. And then you're like, okay, okay. Suddenly you let, yeah. you let go. Yeah, you let go. And then you yeah. just... And you know what release. people do, Masaba, when I ask this question? 80%, they go... Everybody, yeah, a lot. I mean, they will take an exhale, like they will, they'll take a moment, which is so interesting that nobody's giving you permission to just take a moment and actually think, "Mm, how am I feeling? Yeah, we underestimate how much a sigh really means. We really do. Hmm. You want a fun question? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, we'll do it. After my tears. You didn't. I don't think I've done this much in English, Mm -hmm. which is cool. Uh, it's a cube, cube question. Have you, have, I, have you seen it? Okay, no, good. no. Okay, it's, uh, we'll go with it and then I'll explain it. Okay. So now I need uh, Masaba's imagination. Mm-hmm. So close your eyes. Mm-hmm. And imagine Masaba, uh, a very quiet desert. And you're in Dubai, so it shouldn't be that difficult. Okay, that's uh, right. And then suddenly in this very quiet desert, you see a cube appear. Mm-hmm. Visualize the cube and tell me what do you see? How big is the cube? It's pretty small, that big. Okay. It's right up in the air. Floating. Floating. Okay. Is it uh, transparent or solid? No, it's got lots of color. It's got lots of colors. A ton of color, yeah. Okay. Now you see a ladder appear. Where is the ladder? Right in front of me. So if I'm looking at this view, it's uh, before the cube. That's what you're saying? It's actually after it, but I can't reach it. Ah, so behind the cube. It's behind the cube, yeah. Is it close to the cube or far? It's close, but not close enough. Okay, how is it tall or short? It's halfway there. Taller than the cube? No, shorter than the cube. How many steps? Six, eight, twelve? Six, seven steps. Okay, is it new or old? It's old. Old, made of? Wood. Hmm. After the ladder, you see a horse. Mm-hmm. Describe the horse. It's right by me. So now we see cube, we see ladder behind it, and then we see the horse on your left? Yes. Okay, close to the cube or far? Far, it's right by me and the cube is far and it's floating up in the air, so it's pretty far. And the horse, how does it look like? It's a chocolate brown mm. with, it's got everything on it to like... Ride it. Ride it. Is it uh, standing? Mm-hmm. Okay. After the horse, you see flowers. Where did they appear? Floating on top of the cube. Okay, a lot or little? Just that much, like a bouquet. Healthy, wilting. Yeah, very, very fresh, beautiful. Okay. Final thing that appears is a storm. Describe the storm. It's really far away in the distance. Okay. Not affecting anything. Mm Mm-mm. Cool.
open your eyes. Give me the phone. <laughs> I'll explain this to you now. Mm -hmm. Just the big phone. That was your imagination is fucking sharp, man. Like, <laughs> you're just like, which was pretty cool. Okay, so let me find this quickly. This one, while I'm searching, is uh, a research done by a Japanese uh, psychologist, if I'm not mm -hmm. mistaken, and it's called Cocology. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the team members introduced me to it, and I thought it was so interesting. Mm -hmm. And I started using it, I, like only a bunch of, it depends on the guest. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's interesting, I'll tell you now. So okay. The size of the cube is the size of the eye or your ego. So the cube is directly related to your impression of yourself. A smaller cube introduces the possibilities of you rather being the more shy, introverted, modest type who would much rather blend in than stand out. Mm -hmm. And he said that you, you're a chameleon. Then you said uh, um, floating cubes yeah. connect to the more artistic type of, oh shit, wow. type of person. Often you're dreamers and creators as well as the spiritually elevated. Wow, I'm spiritually elevated, you guys. <laughs> Nobody cries like this. Okay. <laughs> A solid cube tells you that you know who you are and are not easy to manipulate and carry self-assurance. Interesting. Okay. Now we talk about the ladder. A ladder that is standing apart from the cube implies that you probably resolve most of your issues without the aid of family and friends. Okay. Uh, should your ladder no, okay. Should your ladder be higher than the cube, which it is not, then mm -hmm. you value your family and friends highly and look up to them. A ladder at equal height, no, you're lower. So lower would Wood or shorter than the cube would mean that you regard yourself as a leader or an alpha type. Mm. So then you said the older ladder is direct result of your subconscious relating to how well or how long you've known your friends. Let's say that you have a brand new ladder, then the friendships that you have in your current space are probably new. Mm -hmm. uh, you said old, so more older. And you said the amount of steps on the ladder relates to the amount of people in your circle. Three to five, you would rather have a handful of friends. Yes. I said six, but five yeah. is enough. Anything less than 12 is, is small. small. Mm -hmm. uh, the horse is your partner mm -hmm. or an ideal partner. Mm -hmm. uh, sturdy, so you said, uh, not a prancing horse. So one important thing is how close to, to the cube it is. And it's not close at the it's moment. It's not close, yeah. yeah. So yeah. a partner or an ideal partner is not that close at the moment. Mm -hmm. um, Insecurities and uncertainties in a relationship would de be depicted as a horse moving away from the cube, whilst the horse moving towards the cube would be a sign of a new relationship or mm -hmm. whatnot. And then the interesting one. The flowers. The flowers. Yeah. So the flowers means how many children you would like to have or see by your side. So oh uh, it's, uh, it doesn't have to necessarily <laughs> okay. be your children. Uh -huh. like, some, like let's say a kindergarten teacher, I would assume would would think if they love it they would think of a lot of flowers mm -hmm. or being around mm -hmm. like an auntie also because yeah. you like the idea of I like of children. being around kids yeah. Um, yeah or it's a very motherly or fatherly also question to see how somebody's like I don't want flowers maybe they don't have that intrinsic feeling mm -hmm. of you know I want to take care of children um, a cube that is overgrown it's not overgrown but the flowers could imply that your children are kept very close this could be draining or heavy on oneself at times uh, you said healthy flowers, which was good. Mm -hmm. A vibrant blossoming garden reflects the health and prosperity of your children as well as your relationships with them. Mm -hmm. And your, your flowers are on the cube, were on you. That's yeah. you, the cube is you. Yeah. So the, the idea of children being very close is, 
it's difficult for me to explain. Okay. But it's interesting to see how you like the idea of healthy kids. Yeah. And close to the mother. Yeah, very close. close. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the storm is your fears. Far uh, away. Yes. If the mm. storm is vaguely in sight or on the horizon, you are at more peaceful inner place. However, the closer the storm, the closer. So yours is very managed. Yeah, it's cool, huh? That's cool, huh? It is. I love this question. I'm going to play that with a lot and of the people. The first, <laughs> first one was so spot on. Yeah. Like the, the floating. Yeah. That was yeah. nuts. Okay. But it's so funny how it came to me visually. Like it all You're just... also creative. Yeah. So these things come to you. Yeah. What I love about these questions when we start, I start to insert them in the interviews is because I chase vulnerability and I know that 90% of people can't be vulnerable. I like asking uh, indirect questions, mm. like subconscious questions, because then they're open. They're like, yeah, yeah rainbow, da, 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 and they say everything. <laughs> and they don't know <laughs> what I'm asking. Done. Yeah, exactly. If I tell them what's your ideal partner, you're like, Allah, I want this and this and this. And Supportive. It's too perfection. Yeah, perfectionist yeah, yeah, yeah. Or idealistic. Yeah. Um, love, what does it mean to you? Love to me. I don't know. I just think that there's no such thing as as true pure love hmm. uh, in the outside world. I think the only true pure love truly is the one that you get from your parents and the one that you feel for your parents. I think the rest of it is very, in a good way, um, need-based. Hmm. What I need at that moment, what does that person need from me? And it can be very fulfilling and very wholesome, but I'm just saying that in a good way, it's very sort of transactional. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the interesting thing that my mom was telling me, she's like the transactional thing, we make fun of it and it shouldn't be. Yeah. Everything is a transaction. It is. Everything. Yeah. Even today, you want somebody to listen to your story mm-hmm. and I want an interesting person. Yeah. It doesn't have to be bad. Yeah. Yeah. Like, why do we make things like when we say I- I'm benefiting from somebody? Exactly. You're also no. benefiting from a friend who makes you laugh. Absolutely. Because he makes, he makes you laugh. I want to no, go out because I want to laugh. Exactly. And I think that we look at it in the negative. But what really happens is that if, if there's two people in a relationship, right, you're getting a friendship, you're getting intimacy, you have someone that listens to you, mm. someone by your side, you have companionship. It's all those things, but at the same time, it's also that all that is transactional. We forget. It's a two-way street. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's where I think the idea of win-win, you know, in, in business, we say, oh, it has to be win-win. I think in relationships, we really have to think it should be Absolutely. win-win. Absolutely. You know, the wife can't just be the giving one yeah. and the guy is just living his life. At one point, it breaks yeah. or somebody's miserable. Yeah. Yeah. So... What did Masaba learn about Masaba after her last marriage? That uh, material things are, well, just that, material, and they go away. They don't mean anything. And the second thing is that she has to have a lot of respect for her partner, for anyone that she's with, Hmm. even if it's a work thing or a marriage or a relationship, I have to have a lot of respect. Hmm. And I think I also discovered that um, in 
intimacy and the physical part of a relationship is not a benchmark for why you should be with someone you know mm. um, it has to be much more yeah I think that's the easiest chemistry yeah. if there are different chemistries between people so emotional uh, physical mm. mental right yeah easiest yeah it's physical I'm attracted that's it like you don't yeah. need much more sparks I mean you get sparks But every five times, seconds how many times can you be Like you die, let's say you find a guy super attractive. He's like, mm. I would love to jump on him. He's so mm. hot. Yeah. But after that, he's like, like, okay, his brain is really dumb. Yeah. I don't like it. That's why you say, right? I saw someone and then they opened their mouth. And then it's just, pff, it's over, you know. Yeah. But uh, I think I discovered that. And I also discovered that um, you have to know yourself. You have to truly know yourself mm. before you try and get to know someone else. Especially in a marriage. Mm. When I got married because of just I was young and everyone around me was getting married, you know, that peer pressure and I was like, oh my God, I'm going to be left behind. And um, also I had, I have to say, a very, very kind ex-husband, a very kind ex-husband, a good man. And it's just that I didn't know myself. I didn't know. He knew himself. He knew what he wanted, but I didn't know myself. Hmm. Do you know yourself now? So much more. Good answer. Yeah, so much more. Another hypothetical. If you could see a characteristic that of your choice above people's heads with a gauge, yeah. what characteristic would you choose? Honesty. Honesty. Yeah. yeah and you've brought, been brought up with a very high benchmark. A really high benchmark. Yeah. I think you know, Masaba, you're the type. Liars are out. Mm-hmm. And if you don't respect somebody, if it's a love relationship, you lose all of your, um, like you'll never be switched on or turned on or attracted to them anymore if the respect is gone. And in business, if you don't respect them, you'll really, you, I don't think you can continue even in, as an employment. No, and I think that it, it, you know, for me, what happens is that people tell me when you're running a business and it reaches a certain level, you're not always going to meet honest people. But are they good people to work with? You know, you always think of these things. You're told these things. But literally, in, and why I say I'm happy right now is because I've found that balance. I've mm. found a team. And I never hire people. When I'm hiring people, by the way, someone asked me the other day and they said, so what is, what is your benchmark? I said, I don't give a shit about your skills. Talent is nothing to me. You have to be honest. You have to be honest. And your temperament. If you walk into a room full of five people or six people, are you going to be bitter and strange and give everyone bad energy? Or are you going to make it good energy? So I look at the energy. When someone walks into an interview, oh my God, I'm just like, <laughs> like, can we not do this? Mm. Or you're hired. Mm. I would never think of how many places you've worked at, what your experience is, which is why my team is really young. Mm. And... I just, I like seeing people who are good, who I like, the vibe. You used a word I've been stuck on for the last two to three months. And mm-hmm. I'm very happy that you used it because mm-hmm. I've been preaching it and I probably attracted it okay. by you saying it. Uh-huh. Well, you think it's so it's cool. Okay. Good. Such an underrated characteristic. Yeah. 
and I've been speaking about this probably to a boring level in the last few months because I'm like, they're like, ah, oh, this person did this, this, but are they good? This, mm. this, 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 I'm like, but are they good? Yeah. So my point is, we are forgetting how valuable just being good is. Mm-hmm. You can be the smartest guy in college or the yeah. best athlete, but you're a piece of shit. Yeah. And your attitude is bad. Yeah. What am I going to do with it? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I think it's so underrated. Are yeah. they good people or he's going to stab you or steal from you exactly. or lie to you? Exactly. So what's the point of all the skills? If Most people can't see that. It's so important. Yeah. But I don't think people are focusing on it. They enough. don't focus on it. But how are you going to build a good organization without good people? It's not going to happen. So? It's never going to happen. And how are you going to be in a good relationship if you're not with a good person? It's really simple. We just, you're right, we overlook it. We overlook, absolutely. Like if I get my, an HR person to give me an assessment report, there's not one fucking rating about if the person was actually good. Was he a good person? Oh, he did this, he's the, his marks are here, he has this much experience. Yeah. Oh, he's done this project. Are they good? Yeah. I, I need to know this. Yeah. Like, did you ask about their childhood? Did you ask about, I don't know, what makes them happy? Where do they go on the weekend? Yeah. Like, what's their top three values in life? Yeah, yeah. Anything. The other day I was interviewing someone and uh, for a very high level position. And I said, hey, where are you at in your life? And he said, oh, you mean like my career? I said, no, that I can see that. Where are you at in your personal life? How are you feeling? Where are you? Because imagine getting someone, I mean, we also underestimate that when you have people working for you, you expect them to come in there and be 500%. And the other day I was being irritable with someone and I was like, why are they not doing this? And why is this late, whatever? And someone told me, you know, they might come with a lot of baggage from home. Things may not be great at home. And the thing is, it's easy for you and I because we run this, right? Mm. It's our baby. So it's easy for us to say, you know what, I'm going to shut everything down, come in there and give 1000%. But not for someone else, it's not their baby. Absolutely. And it'll never be. It'll never be. And you should expect, stop expecting them to treat it like it's their baby. Mm-hmm. You know, if they treat it like it's their adopted child, you're already lucky. Yeah. And, and that's, that's the kind of people I have who just, who are emotionally attached to mm. their business, at least, at the very least. But I don't expect them to come in there and be like... Like you. Like me. Yeah, of course. And this is a mistake entrepreneurs do. Yeah. I'm like, why aren't they treating it? I'm like, Anas. They're not you. Yeah. Stop it. Yeah. You know? And if they give you close to you, you're mm-hmm. lucky. Yeah. That level of loyalty and dedication, you should never let it go. Absolutely. Yeah. And which is why I've, that's what I'm saying. When I'm hiring people, I'm like, can I look you in the eye and tell you exactly what I'm feeling? Mm. And can you do the same? Then maybe. Okay. What makes you feel valuable? I think wow I don't know what makes me feel valuable I think when people see me as I am when they accept me as I am when I come as I am and I don't have to put on a show 
mm-hmm. and you like me anyway or you respect me anyway if this is like a business meeting mm. and that i'm allowed to share my weaknesses and you're okay with it yeah it's a good answer yeah if you were to be reborn would you choose the same life oh 100% mm i have a good life it's nice and what is um masaba afraid of uh i'm really afraid of, afraid of losing my parents i am petrified of them of 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 death i'm petrified of it because like i said it's the only true relationship you ever have in your life and it would be i keep thinking of how i would ever come to terms with it you want yeah and i'm telling you out of i've had many stories on this chair masaba mhm i've had people who are in their 60s 50s never over it never over it yeah and it's really sad and i'll tell you an interesting story last week i was with a friend who's like a sister to me mhm and her father is struggling okay you know cancer on and off and i said you know what's sad is our parents are going to die yeah and I, and she's like and i didn't say it in a cruel way i said it that and i told her we'll all break down yeah i'll break for sure it's just that guarantee in life unless some random thing happens that we die before our parents which yeah. is also a possibility which is also possible not yeah. that usual but we're going to break masaba and it's sad it's a yeah. reality and i think sometimes i am f- at the moment i am for talking about it you know mm. when people are like no no don't talk about it yeah yeah i'm like no talk talk about it yeah because it is something that we know is there it's inevitable mm-hmm. just love the hell out of them yeah you know i i saw i love seeing these videos and i think the algorithms of social media really know what i like so <laughs> it's throwing up all of that i saw this video yeah which the guy is uh, asking the other guy and he goes how many times do you see your parents per year yeah he goes twice wow he goes okay how much longer do you think they have he's like i think 5 years so he's like you're saying till they die you're going to see them 10 times wow but how interesting is this this is building priority yeah if you come and tell me anas i see my dad four times a year mm-hmm. and you say if god god wills he has 10 more years are you okay with four times 10 not at all you see exactly so maybe you need to face time more yeah maybe you need to say dad i miss you yeah and i think this is where sometimes we need this to talk about it because if me and you don't talk about it or anybody we don't know how to prioritize we're talking about a stupid yeah. full stop on a poster yeah. that we don't like which yeah. i do <laughs> instead of like i'm not saying don't do this and do this i'm saying don't forget this don't forget this yeah and entrepreneurs forget yes because we're like that no i will do something this is important yeah so. no but i also consciously did start spending a lot more time with my mom because mm. we're both busy but i said no you know we'll make the time even if it's 10 minutes and i live i live down the road from her i barely see her 
We take it for granted. Yeah, because you think they'll be around forever. Yeah, that's why I want to slap you with reality. Slap. <laughs> it's a hard yeah, one. <laughs> they, will, they will die. Yeah. And we, like this for anybody listening, our parents will die. We will die. Yeah. And I you know I thought the other day when people are dying and I ask anybody or you ask anybody or you even watch a movie, what are the moments that I remember? You never remember the stupid Birkin that yeah. you got. <laughs> yeah. You remember, yeah. I remember when I laughed so much with my mom mm. and we were crying on a street in Paris, whatever, right? At a coffee shop. Or me and my, you'll say, Anas, I was with my girlfriend, we, you know, we watch, we binge watched, I don't know what. Exactly. Moments. Yeah. Not your stupid gifts and cars. Nobody gives a shit about like material. You don't. Even a materialistic, materialistic person, Doesn't when they're dying, yeah. they don't care about that stupid leather jacket that they're wearing and while they're dying. They're yeah. thinking, where's yeah. my mom? Yeah. Or where's my kids? I should have said sorry to that, to that person. You know? I think those All are the of things, things that would flash. Yeah. You know? The way you treated others. The way um, you were treated too, I guess. Or did you do enough? And it's never, I mean, you're not thinking, did I, did I make it to Forbes? <laughs> you're not thinking of that. Yeah. You're just thinking, uh, man, I should have spent more time with that person. That's it. That's all you're thinking. You're thinking of time and you're thinking of friendships and you're thinking of loyalty. That's it. Hmm. I think we, uh, we need to talk about this. What is uh, Masaba's best moment so far in your life? Uh, my best moment so far in life was, um, I think when I started living on my own. Hmm. I didn't live on my own my whole life until I got a divorce. And I had the option to move into my mom's house because it was comfortable and she said, you know, you should be here, emotional support, etc. And I said, no, I just want to go out and live on my own. I couldn't sleep alone. I could never sleep alone in a room. So I think when I... That's when I truly became a person, I think. Otherwise, I was just versions of everybody else in my life. So, yeah, best moment. Worst moment? Worst moment was... Uh, I think every moment that I've held on to anger or I've held on to just regretting something, every moment. I wouldn't say just one time, but every time that I've done something that I know is right for me, but I've regretted it and hated myself for doing it for like, I mean, the longest I've been angry is six months. That's something. Long. That's a long time mm. to be angry. And it's just because I was not happy with the way I did something. So I think every moment that I hold on to something that I should let go of is mm. my worst moment. Viv? Viv! The right name? Mm-hmm. So, uh, in one word. Power. Nice. Why? I think that's what he exudes. That's what he's taught me. Hmm. Um, to take charge, be powerful in every moment. Like, whatever you do, do from a position of strength and power. No matter how you're feeling. Nice. How do I pronounce your mom's name? Nina. Nina. So Nina in one word. Nina in one word, vulnerability. Lovely. Can you imagine? Lovely. That's yeah. what the show is also a lot about. And yeah. I saw a bit of you and your mom 
I was like, I like her. Yeah, <laughs> she, oh my God. She's solid, strong. Ooh. Doesn't, she's not, um, you know, uh, when you see the grass move mm. with the wind, your mom is like, <laughs> like a palm tree. Yeah. Solid. I'm like, she's impressive, strong, honest. It's funny you say that because when she just wrote her book and each chapter of, so she's lost both her parents and mm. her brother. So she's the only one now. And she compared each of them to a tree. Interesting. And that's how she saw them. And uh, I think it was my, my mama, which is my mom's brother. Uh, he passed away of cancer a couple of years back and she compared him to a really sad tree. A large tree because he was very intelligent and he was very, very, very sharp and smart, but he was just always sad. Interesting. Um, hypothetical. If we take Masaba's heart and we place it here in front of you, what does the heart tell you? Um, relax. Hmm. I don't know why, just th that's the first word that came to mind. Just relax. Do you feel you're too wound up? or I'm too wound pushing? up. Pushing yourself. You said in the beginning it's like a midlife crisis time. I just think I don't have enough time. <laughs> I don't know why. I feel the same. I just think I, if there's something that has to be done like three months later, why can't we do it now? Hmm. I just want to do everything now. Hmm. There is a, a wisdom to time. You know, and... Uh, um, I learned this and I, I, I noticed I did this and I learned to imprint it even more mm -hmm. and recognize it more. Mm -hmm. And I say, cook things. I like to cook things slow mm -hmm. and cook them well. Yes. Because if you cook fast, you either burn or you undercook. Undercook, yeah. And yeah. a lot of the times, even in business, you yeah. do something quickly, quickly, and then the proposal is wrong or the, the, yeah. the piece is wrong. Yeah, you miss a detail or something. Shit. Yeah. But cook it slow, but cook it well. You know, then you have something you like. I like this one. I think patience. I have to learn that. It is a learned skill. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Final? Mm-hmm. Uh, masaba in one word. Naive. Naive. Why do you say that? That's who I am. Hmm. I'm... Uh, yeah. I'm just, can I say naive chameleon? Is that allowed? <laughs> I don't know, but I'm naive. Naive is interesting. I've never got that answer. I'm naive, yeah. I like believing things and I like believing in people. Mm. I like believing in the things they say to me. Uh, yeah, so We're naive. similar in that. I'm too literal and I will yeah. take your word like yeah. I've been in situations where I heard so much about somebody let's say who's backstabbing mm -hmm. and I will I'm the guy who will come to you like yeah. I don't like this chit chat behind you I'll be yeah. like okay I've heard one and two yeah and yeah. then they tell me whatever I'm like okay I'll take your word although it might be an absolute lie yeah and I've been there you know it's funny but when someone asked me this a couple of months back Masaba in one word I was like fearless like no <laughs> I'm not fearless I'm full of fear so yeah I'm naive I just I 
you tell me something and I'll, I'll, I'll take it. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. This was good. Thank you. How was it for you? Good. Oh my God. It was a cleanse. Emotional cleanse. You're a very cool person. Oh, thank you. Yeah, like thank I really you. think you're cool and I think you're rare. Uh, and I think, you know, uh, Masaba, you... Little things that I would tell about you is you really need to chill a bit. Not a lot. <laughs> okay. Because it will never happen a lot. It'll I never know happen. your wiring. Yeah. I have similar wirings. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, we're fooling ourselves to think suddenly we'll become very zen and meditate for four hours a day. Mm -hmm. It's not going to happen. Yeah. Five minutes makes yeah. a difference. It does. Uh, I agree. Going to a resort for one night makes a difference. Reading a little more makes a difference. So you need to breathe. May, may breathe maybe is the word. Breathe yeah. a little more. I need to breathe, yeah. And uh, I think the right person is going to make you reflect not a it doesn't have to be a therapist but mm. to mirror you yeah you know because you want to see your reflection but you want to see.